Good morning and, uh, and thank you, uh, Nicola. Um, thank you very much for this. So good morning, uh, everyone. Um, I'm Yanis Manoridis, I'm a lawyer, uh, and uh, it's a first uh, it's a great pleasure as a lawyer to sort of have to grill now or economists. It's usually the other way around. <clears throat> so uh, we have uh, with us, I mean, you have it from, uh, from the program, we have uh, Elena Dagger, which is chair of Moody's uh, Macroeconomic Board. Uh, we have uh, Charles uh, Seville, uh, Senior Director of North America Sovereigns of Fitch. Uh, we have Panos Takloglu, who is a professor uh, at the uh, University of Athens and used to be the chairman of Greek uh, uh, Economic Council of Economic Advisors and liaised uh, with uh, uh, the institutions until the end of 2014, I believe. And then we have uh, Mr. Declan Costello, who is the, uh, from the European Commission, uh, who is one of the members uh, of the, in the team of the institutions dealing now with Greece. And uh, uh, Mr. Nicola Giamaroli on the phone, I hope. <coughs> so we don't have a lot of time. I have a number of questions for you. And I want to start um, with questions for uh, Elena and Charles. So notwithstanding the progress we have seen Greece make, uh, its venture into the markets, the rationalization of the private uh, debt stock, private sector debt stock, uh, the sensible ratio of gross financing needs to GDP, uh, the return to modest growth, but still a return to growth, the ratings are still low. So what is the critical factor to lead to ratings upgrade? Uh, what is further growth? Is it a final blow to the NPL problem? Uh, is it a clean exit or market access, and what exactly does this mean? More generally, what would be the triggers for a ratings upgrade? What are upside and downside risks, uh, and what events would you expect to see that would change your mind? So, I don't know, Elena, maybe I'll start with you, only because I know you for a long time. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having us today. Uh, on the rating, let me, let me just say uh, before I kind of explain what are the drivers for the rating, Moody's ratings and, and other credit ratings as well, uh, there is a very particular aspect. So they refer to the ability and willingness uh, on part of the government to repay government debt. So, how about this? So they, 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 they speak to one specific aspect. So it's, it's not the economy and it's not the rating on economic policy and it's not the rating on progress with the reform. They really speak to this. They all feed into the rating and they influence the rating, but the ratings itself really speak to just capacity and willingness to repay on government debt. So it's important to keep that in mind as I address what, what drives the rating because ratings address this one very specific uh, aspect. So we have, we have uh, Moody's has a CWA2 rating on Greece with a positive outlook. So we upgraded the rating back in July and we moved to a positive outlook. The drivers for the upgrade uh, in July were sort of threefold, three key drivers. One is the successful conclusion of the second review under the Greece's adjustment program. Uh, second is the improved fiscal prospects on the back of the, especially the 2016 uh, fiscal outperformance. Well, which would lead us uh, to, which, which would lead to uh, essentially a reversal in the debt trajectory for Greece and also the signs of economic stabilization, which were more tentative at the time and taking a little bit stronger hold as of, as of current. 
So in terms of, to, to address Yanis's uh, question directly, in terms of uh, what do we see as uh, credit positive and potentially moving the rating uh, up, we could potentially see for the pressure, upward pressure on the rating if we see clear evidence of sustained and strong economic growth, coupled with continued uh, implementation of the grid reforms, including resolution of the uh, asset quality problems in the banking sector, as the banking sector essentially is key in terms of spurring private sector investment and helping for improvement in economic growth. And, and also for the, uh, of course, material uh, for the debt relief on part of the official partners would also mean that the debt trajectory uh, moves to a more sustainable path in the future. That will be quite positive for the rating as well. So I think I'll, I'll this is kind of a, the brief overview, I'll stop here. Thank you, Alan. Charles. Yes, I mean, I can echo a lot of the same uh, things that Elena said. Um, I mean, more broadly, Greece uh, is very, very highly indebted. Um, it's one of the most highly indebted countries that we rate. And when countries have very high debt, they, you know, are at risk of um, the debt becoming unsustainable again. It can be a growth shock, an interest rate shock, or, or basically a confidence shock. Um, and I think confidence uh, is, is what has eluded Greece over the past few years for, for all the reasons that we know. Um, and Greece will have to be gradually refinancing its official sector bailout loans with private sector debt, so it needs to be able to access the, the market to do that. And I think since our upgrade, we, we also upgraded Greece in, in August to B minus, and we put it on a positive outlook. Uh, we've seen encouraging signs that, that Greece uh, can access the markets. Um, and we've also had a, a staff level agreement on the uh, ESM program. Um, Essentially, we foresee a fairly smooth process through the end of that program. Uh, and we also assume that Greece will get some uh, debt relief. That's not debt relief in terms of the stock of debt, but in terms of the flows, so that, that Greece will not have to raise so much money every year um, and will be able to refinance itself. And I think the other, the other factors that we'd be looking for are, yes, uh, growth, you know, sustained growth. Um, Yes, progress on, on the banking sector, progress in terms of reform and, and competitiveness as well. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay, well, thank you uh, both. And um, I think this uh, sort of moves us uh, probably to Declan. Pano, I think I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come back to you because, uh, and, and Nicola, I do not know whether Nicola can hear us. Yes, uh, I can hear you very uh, well. Okay. Well, uh, Nicola, actually, since debt was mentioned twice, uh, I'll ask my, uh, the question on debt first to you, and then we'll sort of move to the, the, the program and what's going to happen afterwards. So although Greece's bond yields have fallen dramatically, uh, their, dif their differential from the Bund still remains uh, high by comparison to uh, other countries, say, like Portugal. So the higher the yields, the less attractive is to return to full market funding which ultimately helps uh, neither Greece nor the official sector creditors. So is there a concern about the debt stock? Uh, and what can the ESM, as the largest creditor, uh, do or say to allay investor concerns about the Greek debt and the full return to the markets uh, with yields comparable to the Portuguese? Uh, yes, uh, thanks for your question, Yanis, uh, and I apologize for not being able to be there. Actually, the reason I'm not there is quite different from the reasons I couldn't join 
the last two editions, so this time is because of the weather condition. Last time was before we were still negotiating Greece, uh, while this year the sub-level agreement was reached quite rapidly, and this is, I think, is a good news. As for the spreads and, and the yields uh, we see in the market uh, nowadays, I think you are right that they are high compared to other uh, former beneficiary countries, uh, uh, program countries, but they are on a declining path. And I see uh, some good news uh, uh, for the market. Uh, Greece was able to top the market in July quite successfully. Later in November, uh, Greece was able to perform a liability management exercise. This will bring confidence to the market. And I see, since you mentioned Portugal, the same pattern that we saw for Portugal in the last two years. So uh, also Portugal started for very high yields and a very high spread, but uh, performing and delivering on reform and, and, and uh, growth coming in, the spreads went down. So I see for Greece in the future the same pattern, provided that Greece is able to deliver on the third review and on the other commitments uh, uh, they have with the program. You also mentioned debt, uh, and uh, colleagues uh, from Fitch also mentioned uh, the debt stock. I think on that uh, there's a clear pattern, a clear commitment from the European member states to provide debt relief to Greece. I can say today that uh, the ESM has already delivered on the short-term debt relief measures in 2017. Last year at the conference, we illustrate what we intended to do. And today, I can confirm that we deliver on all fronts. And what we deliver in 2017 is already bringing down the gross financing needs by six percentage points by uh, 2016, which is much higher than we thought uh, originally. So in conclusion, I see uh, uh, positive news also from the market, and uh, Greece will continue in this path, provided that uh, the, uh, Greece will deliver on the reform uh, committed uh, in the context of the ESM program. And on the other side, the European will deliver on their commitments in terms of debt relief uh, when appropriate. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Nicola. I, th I think still uh, people will sort of ask uh, what exactly the role of the institutions will be in the ESM and that um, in, in helping through because they are the, the largest uh, um, uh, holders. So, Declan, if I may just turn to you, uh, and um, you're in the process of, uh, of the various reviews, and of course the press has been writing about this, so inevitably there will be a lot of interest in, in anything you have to say. So the, the, the third economic adjustment program is, is doing well, um, yet people, uh, they're still adjusting for fiscal measures, appropriate fiscal space uh, between country and the institutions. Uh, now, what, is, what in your view uh, is, uh, is going to happen at the end of the, the current program? Um, assuming still we're or in a 3.5% uh, of primary surplus as, as per program, and, and what's the right policy mix? So thank you. Um, so indeed, the, the ESM program is going well. Ten days ago, the institutions reached an agreement with the Greek authorities on the, the latest round of negotiations. And I'd like to give credit to the authorities because this is actually the first time in three or four years that negotiations have actually ended more or less on schedule. So this is a, a very positive development. Um, 
Now, uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the, the next step is, you know, to, to actually ensure that these reforms are implemented. I'm confident and hopeful that we will get the political sign-off on the uh, third review of our ESM program uh, in the Eurogroup of January 22nd. Now, in addition to a disbursement, the key thing there is that it will trigger the next round of discussions. The next round of discussions on the implementation of debt measures, which Nicola described, and secondly, yeah, um, and it will also trigger uh, the discussions about, you know, what, 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 what is the next phase of, of, of negotiations. Um, I think, you know, you, you here uh, it's, it's, it's too early to, for us, these negotiations have not yet begun in a formal sense. Um, but it's very, very important that this review is likely to close on time because it gives us the three or four months political space to have what is going to be a, a complicated discussion. Debt measures are, are clearly sensitive. Uh, it's clearly important that we get, as you say, the right policy mix uh, for the years ahead. I think from, from, from our perspective in the European Commission, <coughs> the, key, the key issue is how do we create a proper incentive structure to deliver, to ensure the sustained implementation of reforms, not until August, only until August 2018, but over the next three to five years. Um, and okay, one issue you mentioned is on the fiscal side. I don't think there is much room at all to renegotiate this primary surplus target of 3.5% of GDP. And I have to say, Greece, in our estimation, is on track to reach that primary surplus target. Now, that doesn't mean nothing can happen. I actually think there will be considerable fiscal space which will emerge over time. And most of that can come from the better tax collection, tax enforcement, where critical reforms have been implemented. So there is scope to make important changes in the tax rates, uh, in tax bases, to make, to make growth more friendly. But to be honest, uh, I think the bigger story for growth is actually to ensure the sustained implementation of those structural reforms related to the business and investment environment. If you look at any of the international indicators benchmarking Greece as a place to do business, and what you'll see is there has been progress. There has been progress under the program, but the starting point was very low. Greece was at the bottom of all the international league tables. It's no longer at the bottom, but you know, it's still in the second half of the league table, and it need, needs to move up and become a much, you know, even better place to do, do business and investment. And I think it's about having the right incentives for sustained policy implementation over the next three to five years. That is what will be critical for debt. The biggest debt challenge facing Greece is Greece's growth. Thank you. Can I just follow up on this? Um, so what happens if, um, and I know you, you partly talked about it, but you're talking about five years, um, but more directly, the, the program is coming to an end next summer and everything seems to be going well, and, and you, know, you gave credit to everybody, and I think it is all you know, very, very good news. However, there is an, also an assumption that Greece will be able to return fully to the markets and build a, ca a cash buffer. Um, if, if that's not um, possible, will a new program be necessary? And more generally, even if that is, has been uh, achieved, uh, will some sort of program, will some, some sort of arrangement be necessary in order to make sure that these uh, reforms that this five years of horizon that you were talking about um, uh, program is implemented and overseen? Well, look, we will have to come to final decisions in May or June of next year when we actually can see market conditions at that time. 
But I have to say the trajectory looks rather positive. Uh, as Nicola described, Greece has been able to access markets. It concluded an important liquidity management uh, operation, and the ESM has made important strides in implementing the, the short-term debt measures which were agreed by the Eurogroup. When we look forward you know, at the financing needs of the Greek state, again, the picture looks rather positive. Um, Greece is on track to reach a primary surplus target well above 2% of GDP this year. This would be the third year in a row that they would have significantly overperformed their fiscal targets. If you look at the structure of Greek debt and you look at the, um, and, you know, the steps that have already been taken uh, by the, the ESM so far, the financing needs, the, the, the gross financing needs of Greece for the first 10, 12, 15 years after the program ends are relatively modest. I mean, Greece would need to tap you know, something on average, say, around 10 billion euros per annum up to 2030. That's 5% of GDP. Relative to what other countries do, this is not a huge amount. So there is a debt sustainability problem in Greece. It tends to be more in the longer term, and it needs to be fixed in June of this year when European partners will have to live up to their obligations. But the bigger challenge, in my view at least, for Greece in terms of debt sustainability is growth. And growth will only come from the sustained implementation of reforms which, you know, to the credit, has been enacted under the, the program. But many of these are deep structural reforms which take five, ten years to actually work their way through the system and deliver real results. So uh, that's, uh, that's a great cue for, for Panos, whom I wanted, in fact, very much to ask this question about growth. Um, I mean, here is Greece has uh, grown uh, in the last third quarter by 1.3%, uh, notwithstanding the fact that uh, we are in the middle of, the, of a great global and uh, European growth uh, patterns, uh, and, and Greece is emerging from an extreme recession, and, and yet, although this is a very positive and a sustained growth, it's still modest. So why have we not returned? Why has Greece not returned to high rates of growth, say 3 to 4%? Uh, and what do you think still needs to happen? Uh, and what do you think investors want to see? Um, right. First of all, let me thank very, thank, uh, very much the organizers for the invitation. And uh, if you are the last speaker in a panel, you are always in danger that uh, somebody else has uh, already said several of the things you would like to point out. In fact, this person was Declan. Now, let me go straight to your question. First of all, if we are looking at the very short term, I mean, uh, I think that the target that it was set last year for 2.7% growth for Greece this year, it was unrealistic from the outset. It was assuming a large increase in consumption, something that it would be next to impossible with the increased taxes that took place at that time. It assumed a huge uh, increase in investment. However, investment nowadays in Greece is a very, a, a very limited share of GDP. And I have the feeling that the main reason that we saw this relatively slow growth rate, it was primarily because we had protracted negotiations in the second review. That protracted negotiations those protracted negotiations created some kind of an uncertainty that discouraged in important investment as, as well as consumption decisions. However, I have the feeling that the potential is there. The potential is there both for the short and the medium term. The problem we have is that in order to have growth, you need investment. In order to have investment, you need financing of investment. Financing of investment at the moment with domestic sources is challenging to say the least. Confidence has not been uh, restored and the this is evident by the fact that savings have not returned to a large extent to the Greek banking system. However, in the current juncture, uh, 
I have the feeling that the most important factor is probably foreign investment. And foreign investment normally should have flown into, Greece, into the Greek economy. Why? There are three main factors. One is that asset price valuations are extremely low at the moment. Second, there is availability of a relatively well-skilled and reasonably priced unemployed labor force. And thirdly, there, are, there is a very large number of structural reforms that have already taken place. I agree absolutely with Declan that we must stay in this path of structural reforms. We start from a very low basis. However, several of these reforms have not, uh, did not bear fruits yet. So, what are the impediments that we have in this case? In the impediment for investment, foreign investment, I have a feeling that there are both some old problems that we have and some new ones. Incidentally, let me say that in case we manage to attract foreign investment, this will be the vote of confidence for the Greek economy. Several things will be unlocked once we see flow of foreign capital into the Greek economy. The constraining factors, in my opinion, there are, they come twofold. One is, let's say, the old ones that I mentioned before, bureaucracy, slow pace of justice, this kind of stuff. Plus two new factors. What are these new factors? One is that uh, we have increase in taxation and quite a lot increase in capital taxation that, of course, if you live in an environment where capital taxation is substantially lower in, those, in all the neighboring countries, in all your competitors, this is a big disadvantage. And the second thing is that still I do not think that we have an investment-friendly environment. There are several actions with big investment projects in Greece that confirm this. Finally, I agree with uh, uh, Charles and Elena on this point, still there is uncertainty about what is going to happen with the Greek debt. I agree with Nicola and uh, Declan that the right metric is the gross financing needs, that the long last has been accepted. However, I have the feeling that several investors did not fully grasp this particular aspect. More effort is needed there, and definitely some more effort is needed about what's going to happen in the long-term measures for the Greek debt. Therefore, I have the feeling that this is. So, I mean, that's all um, very, um, very enlightening and, and, and helpful. But, you know, we all hear that, you know, well, it's a little bit on debt, and, you know, people will look at it again in the, uh, next summer, and, you know, we have an assurance uh, from... Um, everybody in Europe that they will do the right thing. Um, we, we're told the, the tax targets will not change, but at the same time we're told that the tax is pretty high. Um, we, uh, we're told that, yes, improved tax collection, tax enforcement, uh, without really growth, that there isn't, it's unclear to me at any rate that this is going to yield very much. Um, so it's all kind of all tied together. So I was wondering whether any of you um, can tell us what more specifically, you know, what, what uh, triggers you will see that will um, uh, allow us to reach, say, a 4% growth. I mean, you said external fin uh, financing debt, but more specifically, since we turn back to what Greece has to do and the famous structural reforms that people have been talking about and hearing about for years, um, what, what specific things would you, uh, uh, would you have in mind and, and say, propose. And I do not know whether, who wants to take the poison chalice here first? I don't know. Very good for you. Thank you for volunteering. On the economic <laughs> side. There's, again, <clears throat> this is an economy which is coming out of close to a 10-year recession, right? So this consumption is still very low compared to what it was pre-crisis investment is about 60% of the level that it was before the crisis. So there's a 
there's a lot of potential for the economic growth to pick up. Greece is also benefiting the pickup of growth in the euro area this year was probably one of the biggest surprises on the economic side. We're seeing very sustained pickup in growth in the euro area. We believe that's, at least at Moody's, we believe that's going to continue for the next couple of years. That should benefit Greece as well. So you have a favorable uh, external environment uh, as well. The, from a structural point of view, we're still looking at an economy which has structurally very low savings rates. So for investment to pick up, uh, probably the role of foreign investment would need to come in. And you'd, you'd probably need to see, uh, again, some uh, ability of the banking system to finance private investment. Charles, would you like to add anything to that? Yes, I would echo those uh, points. I think one aspect where Greece differs um, from some other sort of post-crisis countries is um, in terms of external competitiveness, despite the depressed state of the economy, um, the current account you know, hasn't gone into surplus. Um, there's been some, obviously, pickup in exports, but uh, not as much as you've seen in Portugal, for example. Um, so I think that's an area where well, probably we don't expect actually that much more um, progress. I think growth is going to be more domestically driven net, uh, on a sort of net basis, um, over the next few years. And I think, yes, it, this will depend on, on the banking sector uh, restarting credit growth, uh, and, and again on, on confidence, and, um, and certainly on, on foreign direct investment as well. No. Declan, thank you. Yeah, um, in, in terms of what can be done, I mean, I, I agree with you that it's, it's, everything is circular. If you get a bit of growth, investment picks up, tax revenues picks up, you can cut tax rates, and it all becomes a virtuous circle. But how do we, how do we get started? I have to say, for me, the, the, there are some quick wins that could be done. It, what we need to see now in Greece is not new policy packages and legislation. We need to see things done. Right? Um, we need to see uh, big investment projects actually happen on the ground, like the Hellenicon redevelopment uh, project. We need to see problems with international investors with complicated pro projects. We need to see these situations resolved. I think investors need to see some big ticket uh, wins on the investment side up front and to happen. I think in terms of getting things done, we need banks to do things. We need banks to now seriously start the process of resolving NPLs. The legislative framework is, has been put in place. The other platforms to resolve, uh, uh, resolve corporate debts have been put in place. They now need to be fully implemented. So what has to happen now is people need to get things done. Right. Uh, let me be let po less poetical than uh, Declan. <laughs> the main thing that we need at the moment is this thing that is widely discussed in Greece, a new growth model. Growth in Greece cannot rely on consumption as it used to do in the past. Greece still has the highest consumption rate in the European Union, barring Cyprus. After so many years, we have the highest uh, rate of consumption in GDP than any other European country. What we need to support is investment and exports. Investment at the moment is at a level where we are still destroying capital. New investment is lower than depreciation that we have on an annual basis. This needs to be reversed. The second thing is that Greece still remains, despite the fact that there is quite a lot of progress in recent years, Exports are still accounting for a relatively small part of gross domestic product. It is true that uh, 
there are two factors that are hindering investment in exports at the moment. One is, let's say, the small size of the Greek firms. The second thing is that still we lack financing. Investment without financing is quite difficult. Now, let me return to the question of uh, structural reforms. Indeed, Greece's crisis, even though it had a manifestation that was of a fiscal nature, the root of the problem was lack of competitiveness. Lack of competitiveness, why? Because we stopped doing structural reforms as early as back as, back as 2001, when the famous pension reform collapsed. After that, for 10 years, there was no serious attempt at structural reform in Greece. As a result, in terms of competitiveness, Greece was going down the ladder. It is true that several of the improvements that we have were quite substantial, especially if we look, let's say, at the OECD going for growth and so on. But in my opinion, the Greece's position in uh, league tables, like the one doing business of the World Bank and so on, is relatively low exactly because of the crisis. For instance, one of the factors is, let's say, ease of financing. Ease of financing is something that is crisis-affected. Respect for uh, property rights. Okay, if you have done the PSI, this means, let's say, the respect for property rights has been reduced. These are things that, as soon as we are recovering, they will, we will appear better in these areas. In my opinion, we must stay relentlessly in the course of structural reforms. And there are two areas, not only the one that... Uh, uh, that was mentioned before. One is, let's say, in reforms for the public sector itself. It is the public sector that needs to become more business-friendly on the one hand and more friendly to the citizen on the other hand. And the second area that we need to do reforms are reforms that are related to product market liberalization. However, unlike what Declan mentioned before, I have the feeling that all the low-lying fruits have already been collected. Whatever we are doing from now on is difficult in terms of new legislation, and definitely we need implementation. On this point, I agree with him. Okay, well, thank you for that. You know, there, there are clearly some challenges there, but also, you know, it seems to me from what you were saying uh, earlier, Panos, uh, opportunities. And certainly I know that uh, in this day we're going to be discussing later uh, NPL resolution and what's happening there, and I, and I am aware that uh, huge progress has been made. So best not to turn now to the audience not to talk about that since we will have a full session on that. But if we could have uh, questions from people who are uh, not just positions, please, but real questions to our panels uh, uh, on exactly what you think um, might be required and, and what you see as the particular challenges um, in the, you know, investing in Greece. If not, I will, I will ask uh, questions. Again. I know it's early in the morning, but um, you've heard uh, quite a lot of things. Do, do I have any volunteers? Please, and please also identify yourselves. Yes, thank you. Good morning, Thanasis uh, Tsitsas and Dena TV. A question for Mr. Costello, please. You recently disagree with the term clean exit. Can you please be more specific about the following? After the end of the program, what would be the obligation of Greece vis-a-vis -vis the ESM or European Commission in terms of reviews? For example, the Greek government has already put in legislation important changes for 2018 and 2019, how will the institutions decide those measures need to be adapted or not? 
In other words, what is the mechanism for taking a decision? Thank you. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a very good question. It was touched earlier, and uh, it was uh, good. Thank you for following up on this. Is there any other question? Or shall we let Mr. Costello respond? Okay, why don't you respond, and then we can... Um, I encourage you for some more questions. We have time. Okay. Um, once countries exit, successfully exit uh, an ESM program, they fall under what's called post-program surveillance, which is, um, and this is what's happening in Ireland, Cyprus, Portugal, Spain. It's a system of enhanced monitoring by the European institutions uh, every six months, which takes a sort of a deeper dive as to whether there are risks to the, the, the potential repayment of the, of the outstanding loans. That's the default setting, okay? Now, as I mentioned before, we haven't yet done, come to our assessment as to what actually should follow after the program ends, and we will do that in the course of the next few months. Um, whether there is a need, you know, the term clean exit uh, is, is, is sometimes used. I mean, the question we'll have to ask is, will Greece need financial support from its European partners after August 2018? And again, I will only, we will only answer that question in June of next year, but based on what we see on the, the, the current trajectory, that doesn't seem to be likely, okay? So uh, we, will, we, will, we will have to come to this decision in, in May or June of next year, but the trajectory is good. The one thing which distinguishes Greece from all other Euro area program countries is debt, is, debt, is debt measures. These were not offered to other Euro area countries, and that is some, you know, an additional element which will have to be, uh, put, have to be addressed. So I guess, the, 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 but, but again, it's a, the, the types of problems facing Greece, whether it's product market reforms to make you know, the business and climate more attractive, reforms to improve the functioning of the justice system, uh, reforms to work out non-performing loans. These are reforms on the, to modernize the public administration. These are reforms which will take three, five, ten years to really uh, have, have, have effect. And so we will be looking to see how can we continue to work with the Greek authorities to ensure that these are sustainably implemented over time. Thank you. Any, any other questions? Please. gentleman down Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Inachos uh, Lazos from Discover Capital. Uh, we, you touched on uh, the primary surplus, the fiscal trajectory, and the need for investments. And I, I guess the question that's in everyone's minds is, is the growth path that we are uh, envisaging consistent with uh, the fiscal path in the sense that the fiscal targets are quite high by several metrics, by several standards? And, and so, and by definition, they impose a strain on the Greek economy, both uh, fiscally, as uh, all the, say, the operating surplus needs to go to, collect, to be collected fiscally and service debt, and as well as from a financing perspective, since the debt is external, and so all that money needs to go out of the economy every year. So, and at the same time, we have a, still an output gap and a great overachievement of fiscal targets. So we're basically doing everything we can from a fiscal perspective to minimize growth. So if we go forward and we keep overachieving fiscal targets, can we correct this ahead of ex ante rather than ex post by returning with special dividends and whatever? And can, and is there, do you think that with the closure of the output gap, if, as you say, fiscal space is 
generated, can that be taken advantage of in advance in the fiscal architecture rather than exposed, if at all? Thank you. Because I think it's going to have consequence for the growth capacity of the economy. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, again, it was um, one of the topics that was touched uh, earlier, but it's more, even more uh, specific. So, again, I'll have to, to ask you to, to try to respond to this. So I think our, our, our analysis is that Greece is on track to achieve the primary surplus target of 3.5% in 2018. And we consider that there will be fiscal space which emerges after that for several reasons. One, we think there is a negative output cap and that should raise growth rates and, and support, uh, support the fiscal situation. Two, there have been very important reforms undertaken in the program, notably on the pension side, which will deliver additional savings over time as, as more and more people retire under the, new, under the new rules. The third reason, and I think it will be the biggest reason, is that there have been many, many reforms to improve tax collection, tax enforcement, which we take a very, very conservative view on as regards yield. So I think there will be you know, a decent amount of fiscal space 2018, 2019, 2020, which it would be important already uh, to build on what Panos was said, it would be useful for the government to have a, a proper growth strategy put in place so that that fiscal space would be used wisely to, you know, for example, to reduce corporate tax rates or social security contributions, which indeed are very, very high on international level. So I don't think it's necessary. What I'm saying is we don't see it necessary to change the fiscal primary surplus path. Uh, we do think it would be useful, however, to have a medium-term plan on how the, you know, the both tax and expenditure side of the economy can be made more, more growth friendly. But I would just come back to my, my, my main point is, I do not think the tax rates are the main obstacle to investment in Greece. I think it's much more the obstacles on the product market side. I think it's much more the obstacles or the inefficiencies in the justice system, which are the key problem. Yeah. Uh, do we have any more questions? I mean, we have, um, I noticed that both questions are, the questions so far focused on um, basically the challenges of the program and what could be fixed. But still, there were lots of positive issues, that uh, positive messages came from the presentation about the opportunities. Uh, is there something that somebody has considered the opportunities and thinks that, yes, there is a, but there's a particular obstacle or issue they want to address? So please, the gentleman there, the second line. Hi, uh, Scott Swift from SLS Capital. Um, we saw last week that new car registrations were up 16% for, um, for the month, and retail sales have been up six, seven, eight straight months. Why do you think the, uh, that, that, that at, at retail people are starting to spend money? Where are the jobs coming from? What type of industries do you think are going to get developed that, that stronger in the next couple of years to help lead uh, this tepid recovery? To, to, to gain strength. Anybody else? Pano, is this something that you'd, you'd dare to, to respond? I did not fully grasp the question. I was, can you, could you repeat it again, please? Oh, where's, where's the recovery? Can you bring the... Where is the recovery coming from? It was the... still very high, but what, what industries do you think will, will, will start to, to, 
Okay, I have a feeling that uh, we go back to all these things, what are the conditions for having, let's say, a virtue circle there? And we do, there are there. If, the, if growth starts there, this will be something that will be self-sustained later on, provided that this is associated with trust. If there is trust, there will be savings returning to the banking system. If there are more resources to the banking system, there will be more resources for financing investment. If there, are, there is more investment, this means there will be more jobs. And all this thing goes on like that. Now, regarding sectors that you asked me before, there are a number of studies that have been commissioned in earlier years, and, and they identified a number of sectors there. However, they were very clear in mentioning that there is no sector that has, let's say, a blanket comparative advantage. Even in the most competitive of our sectors, tourism, even there we need to change the kind of product that we are offering. Likewise, there are other sectors where we may not have a clear comparative advantage. In fact, we may be even in a disadvantage. However, even within them, there are subsectors where there is quite a lot of potential, even in heavy industry, in mining, and stuff like that. Therefore, it is not, I mean, I hear several people saying that, okay, we must rely on tourism or on this, on this, and that. I do not think that there, a blanket approach will be the useful one. Right. Uh, we, we have uh, Yanni, Before we close, can I just make a, a remark that there was quite a lot of discussion about the required primary surpluses. And there is something in the public discourse in Greece that I see reproduced in several media as well, that the kind of primary surpluses that are asked of Greece is something that no other country has ever achieved, etc., etc. This is not true. Belgium, until the time before the crisis, for 28 continuous years, had primary surpluses averaging 3.8% of GDP. These are huge numbers. However, there is a fundamental difference between Belgium and Greece and other countries like that. The bulk of Belgian debt at that time was held by Belgian banks. As a result, whenever the state was repaying, there were more resources available for financing activities in the private sector of the economy. This is not the case in Greece. Whenever we are achieving primary surpluses, there is a, a pure capital transfer abroad, and this is something that does hinder growth. This is my only disagreement with Declan before. Okay, well, thank you very much. We have uh, uh, run out of time. Uh, but uh, what I want to take as messages from this, uh, there's quite a lot that's, uh, that's happening, but it, there's clear, the clear messages that uh, matters have stabilized, that they are progressing, and that there is a lot of opportunity for investment that, you know, on the po points that you made, Pano, earlier. And if people want actually to pursue the uh, more specific question that the last gentleman asked, then I encourage you to uh, get in touch with our panelists afterwards. So thank you very much.